0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Better Events Podcast. In today's episode, we are talking all about how to start an event business. This is an awesome episode because we allude to this all the time, but it's great to have a dedicated topic where we can really dive into it today. We talk about logistics, like how to incorporate, how to define your business, lessons that we've learned. We could talk for ages about that, how to fund your business, any crucial steps that have that we believe have set us up for success. So we invite you to learn from our experience and take a listen to this episode. So here we go. Welcome to the Better Events Podcast. Join two event strategists, Logan Clements and Mary Davidson, who believe we can all create, host, and attend better events. In this podcast, you will learn about event strategy and actions that you can use today as an event host, planner, or manager. Hear directly from the people who are creating innovative and inspiring events today and tomorrow and grow your business along the way. Now, let's get started and thanks for listening to the Better Events Podcast.
1: And we're back with the Better Events Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Logan Clements, and I'm joined by fellow co-host Mary Davidson. And before we dive into this week's topic, we're going to do a little conversation starter. So Mary, I'm very fascinated by what you'll say to this, but what is something you have seen at an event recently, you could have planned it, attended it, that inspired you? Maybe it's something you want to like apply to a future event or just got you excited.
0: So this is fresh in my brain. Logan and I just are coming off of events. And so I don't know what tip you're gonna give. I'm curious. Mine was from a recent event. And um we've talked about the importance of like accessibility and things like that at events, but I worked with an organization that really like talk the talk and walk the walk. They were super um into like making their event accessible. So we did it outside and like there were paved pathways everywhere. Like no matter where we set up set up the entire floor plan, it was like next to a paved area and um, that's kind of I guess like a broad example but that was cool it's something that I kind of like have aspired for haven't really put it into action before and so to be able to like see kids coming up in their wheelchairs being able to participate in every single component of the event was really cool so that's what I'll say what about you
1: Yeah, for me, I've been doing a lot of sporting events uh, in the last couple months, and I'm always constantly looking for ideas that I can pull that we do that entertain fans in a stadium, watching a sport that I can apply for my like corporate events, conferences, nonprofits, any other event that's looking to have more fun, because I feel like uh, sports don't ever have that real problem of creating fun moments, but that's just the space we live in is constantly thinking of fun fan engagement ideas. And I have a lot of clients and events that are always looking for fun ideas and one that was really funny and could be either applied to like a break um, or if you're trying to do it as an energizer it was we just did it at the Seahawks game. Uh, they did a celebrity lookalikes cam where you put up uh, like it's like a it'd be essentially a, a graphic that shows a picture of a celebrity. And then the other half of your screen is a live shot of somebody in the audience who looks like that person. And it was just quite entertaining, very low hanging fruit. It's kind of fun for your video team to actually try to look for people. Again, you have to do this if you have a larger budget. And then a low budget idea was they did a game called This or That. And they showed a slide that said, this is in Seattle, remember folks, so it said, are you uh, an umbrella or a raincoat person? And then they put a, put the slide up that said, if you're an umbrella person, make some noise. And then they put up another slide that said, and everyone made noise. A lot of people in Seattle don't use umbrellas, so it's pretty quiet. And then it said, if you're a raincoat person, makes noise. And everybody cheered. And they did like coffee or pumpkin spice. So just something that's a little different that can like so interact controversial. your audience. I know. <laughs> I like and that's what it, it could be. If it could be controversial, it could be on theme. This was themed to the, you know, the people that were in the stands, like the, the location we were in of Seattle, like, but I could just see some of my sales conferences and things that are looking for different ways to get people to engage um, that might be able to apply this. So that inspired me. I love
0: it. Yes. Sporting events are definitely good examples of fun, which I think a lot of events become very dry. So they're good events (laughs) to look towards. Yeah. Well, we are excited for our topic today, of course. Uh, We both, as you know, we are event business owners and we want to lay out our paths and advice. And so that's what brought us to our topic today. So if you're curious about how we got started or if you're interested in starting your own business, this is going to be a really great episode for you. And so we'll just, as we do, jump right into it. Uh, Logan, I'm going to ask you a question and we'll kind of go back and forth. We'll have a great conversation. We have lots to share today. This is kind of like an emotional conversation. (laughs) Get ready (laughs) for it. I'll speak for myself. So Logan, how do you define your event planning business?
1: Yeah, I think I I wanted us to talk about this at the start of the episode because I think it can look a lot of different ways um, but the lens that I feel like both you and I are coming at it from is an event business is someone who if you have opened an LLC, an S Corp, a C Corp, if you're sitting here being like, I don't know what any of those name those mean, it means you've actually started a legal entity. Um, and this is something you can do as a sole proprietor, a single person, you as a creative, an event professional, you know, any aspect of the event industry, you can start this. Um, and then the different layers, the LLC, the, S-corp, the S Corp, the the C Corp, that all just um adds different layers of legal protections for you but like you are legally starting a business you usually have to pay a, the state you're in a small fee to start that business um but it's surprisingly easy <laughs> when i actually started to go through the process to just start it running it's a whole nother story but starting the business was surprisingly quick and easy mary how would you define an event business an event planning or just event industry business
0: Yeah. Similarly, you know, if we're going like to the nitty gritty of like how to form the business, my brain went the same place yours did. And just so you know, listeners, as we're talking today, I'm referencing this purple book that I have that I started when I started my business. And I can't remember if someone told me to do this or what inspired me, but it was supposed to be like a business journal. So I could, or maybe like a diary type thing. So I could write down things that I learned along the way. And I will say, it's not very filled out, so. <laughs> but one thing I did fill out, the first thing I wrote down was what type of business should you start? I was like two pages of thoughts and I'm not like going to read it to you word for word because I it, basically, it's the same thing that Logan said, but um, what I, what I was saying in, in this journal was to uh, consult your local government. For example, the state of Washington um, uh, small business association has a checklist to follow and it's super foolproof like Logan was saying. And so it's easy to figure out what kind you should start And also, well, in the future, it would be beneficial to talk to, like, an accountant and figure out if you need to change based on the revenue that you make over time. Um, But there's also, like, Instagram, like, consultants that do, like, that talk you through this. There's, like, courses like that. Um, It's really interesting. But I have an LLC, Um, not to be confused with the sole proprietorship. um, I have a single-member LLC because it's just me. And so it's, yeah, that's been kind of a learning process, but that's how I would like vaguely define it as well as, um, for mine, it's an LLC.
1: Yeah. And you might be listening to this if you're, again, like Mary said, if you're thinking about starting a business, maybe you're just curious, looking under the hood of how, you know, Mary and I for each started our businesses. Um, but you, there are people you will find in the industry that you might on, on, be like, they're probably a business. I would think they're a business. And then you might look under the hood and realize that they're actually just kind of operating as a contractor, like as an as, an person, as a person, um, you know, someone you would hire for an event or even a photographer or something like that. And again, Mary and I caveat are not lawyers or, you know, have any kind of law degree. Um, but I just know from personal experience, as I've grown and wanted to take on more events, this has become something that's really important to make sure that you have is having a, some form of a business entity. It really helps you, especially if you're taking, trying to work with clients all across the States, not just in the state that you live in, um, and, and internationally as well. I know there's certain States that have pretty strict labor laws. So, um, yeah. And there's another point
0: on that too, is when you have, when you incorporate like that, it's important because it protects your personal assets. So that's like one of the biggest perks to doing it that way is if you get sued, your business gets sued, not you as a person. So yeah. that's
1: nice, <laughs> just yeah to think we about. like we like those perks um so mary how can you talk to our listeners? Tell us how did you start your business?
0: I have been entrepreneurial for quite some time, but that's because, um thanks to my husband, he's kind of he pulled me into this world that I never really thought was a reality, and so he kind of planted the idea that it was possible. So what we ended up doing is we both went back to school we got our m b a and that's when I started learning more about it. It became interesting to me, and so we kind of had this, like, group dream that one day we were going to do something, like, business-related, and then for me, the opportunity kind of fell into my lap in a way, which I'm super grateful for, and so it was just – it was, like, a time for me to move on it, I guess, and so to me, it just seems meant to be – I wasn't totally planning on it. Um, I was employed uh, full-time, and then I – The pandemic happened, and I was sort of like over my job at that point, to be honest. And so it was a good time to try something new. And um, I realized virtual events and thought there was a need there. And then you all know our story, hopefully. If not, you listen back to some of our past episodes. But then that's when Logan and I connected. We did a virtual event together, and um, I realized I I liked it. So yeah, I started my business prior to us, I believe, um, doing that event together, Logan. Uh, But I wasn't sure what was going to happen. And I also only thought it was going to last a couple of weeks, the pandemic. But little did we know it lasted much longer than that. So I thought we were just kind of writing out a short period of time and that it would be a good time to start a business. Ironically, it was a great time for me to start a business because of virtual events. So I, for one, am really grateful for virtual events. But that is how I went about starting it. And one other thing I want to say, which I think I've touched on when we talk about finances or budgeting maybe in some other episodes is um I'm in a particularly privileged situation because um I can rely on another income, and so that made the decision to start a business much easier for me. And I I want to say that because I know that some people like it's way harder to take that leap for some people. So
1: that's Mary, my how story. Many, how many years would you say your you EP events has been in business?
0: Just over two, which is crazy. It's been yeah. a, a roller coaster.
1: Yeah, so the podcast has been with you for a large chunk of that time. That's true. <laughs> yep. Grown along the way. <laughs> what about you, Logan? How did
0: you start your business? Cuz you have been in business how long now?
1: About to celebrate 6 years. This is actually Crazy. the this is this month is the 6th month <laughs> of uh whoop, whoop. Or we're coming up on it. Um yeah, so I've been in business for 6 years. I started my business because I was burnt out in my full-time job and honestly did not go out on my own with the intention of building a business nor being a, you know, uh, employed by myself uh, as my boss for the last six years. So it was kind of a surprise. Um, but I did it because I was kind of needing to take a step back and figure out what I really loved. I was at a crossroads between doing more digital marketing and doing events. I, did, I was at an agency that did both. And so I thought, by working for myself, I could kind of take that time and that space to f- start figuring out exactly what projects got me excited. I also had my eye on the Olympics and big events that happen every couple years or annually and uh, really staff up around that event. And so I figured working full time for someone, it would be hard to take that time off. Um, and so I started my business when I realized that I could go out and do freelance for some of my current company I was working with, as well as a couple other clients. So I knew my bills were going to be paid. And that was the fir- that was for me, what made me make the jump was because I kind of ran the numbers and as you know, Mary, I think one of our next questions is talking about funding our business, but, um, I had was, it was just me at the time. I definitely had the privilege of having a family support system that could probably bail me out if I really fell on my butt. But I also knew that if I had certain clients and things lined up that I'd have at least my rent paid for, you know, basic groceries, certain things that I could rely on at least for the first couple months while I got started um and that was really when i when people asked what made you jump it was kind of the 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 interest was there and then making sure that the numbers made sense yeah
0: definitely and when talking about numbers i've learned a lot from you especially about like yeah like we we've talked a lot about um profit first which is a book and that um method on how to pay yourself and so thinking through like the finances and how to fund our businesses um the great thing about Events And somebody, if you're listening to this, you might disagree with me, but I believe how Logan and I set it up. The great thing is that there's very little overhead. And so you can just start it and really there's not much of a cost to start except to get your business license and some of those other like official setup of things. Um, beyond that, like you can kind of get going because you're providing a service. So it could vary depending on how you structure your services. Like if you're a planner who... Front's a lot of costs, like you're covering those rentals, those catering costs, things like that, then you would definitely want more of a stash of money ready to go if you're going to be doing something like that. But if it's just you and you're hiring, you know, yourself or freelancing yourself out, then I would say that there's not much funding that really needs to happen at the beginning. But do you, what do you think, Logan?
1: Yeah, I agree. I think we come from similar experiences of getting started, but there's definitely also um, business loans you can take out. I know for my first year or a couple years, honestly, when I was getting started, I also relied on some zero interest or low interest credit cards to help me float some of those costs. Again, it is often fear. I feel like is what one of the themes I hear when I talk to people who want to start a business, but are afraid or scared, or there's just a big fear factor I think is better than afraid or scared really. Um, and I, that, I use that for myself as a cushion um, using credit cards. Again, it wasn't the best long-term strategy, but it was a strategy that worked for me at the time. Um, but there are small business loans and things that you can also apply for um, or go in for the more formal, like actual funding that you can get as a startup and things like that. But often I feel like I find startup folks in the event industry um, either start out by just kind of self-funding and getting started with, it was a side hustle that then grew so big they could turn it into a full-time job. Um, Or some people who even purchased a business that was already in existence. So they came in and they bought that bakery and took over that event business, or they bought somebody's camera equipment. Or I've also heard from some planners who purchased um, another planner's business when they were trying to, that planner wanted to retire and they wanted to take over all of their events and clients. So there's different journeys and different ways to fund the dream. It doesn't have to look exactly like what Mary and I are talking about, um, which might add to that fear if you're listening to this, but hopefully it would also be inspiring to know there's no like one exact correct way to do anything. Um, yeah. But Mary, like thinking through about what set you up for success, you and I are both sitting here still in business for ourselves. Like what crucial steps do you think you took or are currently taking that has helped you set yourself, set you up for success?
0: I think one of the things, and you just um, jogged my memory of this by something you were saying. Uh, It's it's our previous episode that we've had about the power of your network because that's something that I tried to hit the ground running with is like really reach out to people I knew previously or even a little bit and just be like, hey, I'm starting my business. Like, what are you up to? (laughs) And at that time, I had time to network because I didn't have business yet. And so it was like a really great way to like hit the ground running because like, I don't know. Sometimes I have many feelings about this. On one hand, I want to convince the whole world to start a business because I'm like it's amazing. Like there's so much opportunity for freedom, you to work for yourself. Like it's so nice to not have people tell you what to do all day. Like there's so many things I love, and I feel like I often find myself pushing it on people. I have to remember it's not for everybody. But um, with that in mind, um, it's it's great to to find people, I guess, who are in a similar space. And so um, one of the things that I was able to do is I reached out to, I can't even remember how this happened. I reached out to a couple of their local planners though. Um, and they were both retiring. So they were able to, we set up like a subcontractor type of agreement where they would send me business and I'd give them 15% of that for the first event that I booked with that client. And then from then on, it would be online. Um, and so the first like three events I might've done besides the one that Logan and I did together, I think we under that type of umbrella. And so that was just a, honestly, a coincidence. I mean, not everybody's gonna be closing down their business when you reach out to them, but I think it was the, that and the combination of COVID that it, they were just like, I'm done. And
1: I was like, perfect.
0: <laughs> that, that means that um, you can send it on. So it's interesting. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's a great opportunity and a great example of a way you can build, I think, uh, like crucial steps in that- like I think the networking piece is is amazing and our episode on it is really worth the listen um if you didn't get a chance to listen to it because I think so many people again that fear is there they're like that's hard I don't want to network you know putting yourself out there's hard but I think it can look different and and pay off in many different ways because that is so crucial when you're a new business owner I remember feeling so uncomfortable having to get my like elevator pitch down which mm-hmm. I just Recently learned we shouldn't be calling it elevator pitches because no one's talking to each other in the elevator anyway. But you know the the quick answer to oh what do you do or who do you work for, um, and I that is something over the years I have learned I honestly and I've gotten hopefully a little bit more comfortable with it. But I do really need to scream it from the rooftops and tell everybody that I'm you know I have a business. Here's what I do. Here's what gets me excited because you never know where business new business is going to come from. It could come from a really close you know, friend or colleague or contact and it could come from a friend of a friend of a contact of a contact. <laughs> like yeah. The the there's no rhyme or reason sometimes why some folks have found you apart from the reason apart from the fact that you stay top of mind doing a podcast like this, posting on social media. I do YouTube videos, like getting yourself to events and handing out business cards. It can look different for you, but just doing something versus I think when I first started, I definitely was hoping it would just kind of more organically flow. Um and I realized I needed to to really be a little bit more uh, vocal about what I was doing.
0: I think that's important is to take action. Like if nothing else that you remember from this episode, like put in the effort and take, take the action because I, yeah, I do think that a lot of us thought the same way. Maybe Logan, when we started our business, thought business would maybe just come, but you have to do something about it. And that's the fact. And so it hurts my heart when I see like friends or colleagues and, They have the uh, business and they're like, it's not going very well. And my like rude reaction is, well, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing about it? Are you actually talking to people? And a lot of times they're not. And so it's just hard. It's hard to see. And I know that it's hard to do to actually talk to people and figure it out. But hopefully this lights the fire
1: a little bit. Yeah. Mary, is there anything you wish you knew when you first started? When you first started your business? (sighs) So much. I mean, (laughs) everything. Um,
0: I... One thing that I, people told me that took me a while to learn, I will say, is um, the idea of be picky with who your clients are, figure out exactly what kind of events you want to do, um, learn how to say no, like those types of things. And I was like, I believe you and I think that that will happen. But right now I'm in the hustle and I just want to do whatever comes. And I don't regret that at all. I think that was a really good way to meet a lot of people quickly by just like taking stuff. Um, but I'm finally at the point where I'm like, okay, I actually understand what these people were talking about, and I think this time has finally come. And and it sucks. <laughs> and so I wish I had like implemented it a little bit sooner, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I was waiting for this like massive time to come when it was so busy. Um, And thankfully, gratefully, so gratefully, that's come. But I wish I had like heated that a little sooner. Does that make sense? Like known maybe like the warning signs, if you will, of when that's starting to happen so that you can take a step back and be like, okay, what's like my real game plan here? How am I going to grow my business? Is this the way I want to grow it? And then what am I going to do about it? And so now I'm having that, uh, the realization and those thoughts. So ask me again in a year and I'll tell you where I am. (laughs) But that's something looking back
1: on that I wish I had taken probably a little bit more seriously. I hear that. I think that's very true. But also, you know, uh, we said on entrepreneurship, owning your own business, it can really, we can all be different personalities. We can all look and act and think differently. But I feel like that is one trait that sometimes as a business owner, you just have to learn some things for yourself because yeah, you'll, I feel like for me, things I wish I, I learned when I first started was, uh, taking everybody's advice with a grain of salt and trying to first understand where that person is coming from before I truly, really buy in to that advice. Because when I first started, I felt like everyone I knew, everyone and their mom and their sister and their colleague wanted to tell me advice about running my own business. And I realized that not all of it's helpful. I mean, all of it comes to the intention of probably trying to be helpful, but maybe not applicable to me. Um, and then also like that, like Mary, I worked with a lot of, talked to a lot of planners, talked to a lot of other people doing what I was doing. And I got varying degrees of positivity based on where they were in their career and how excited they were still about what they were doing. So if I'd listened to the people who are really burnt out and just telling horror stories, probably wouldn't have helped me start my business. Granted, if I also talked to all the people who really loved it, you know, you kind of, we would be going in with all this like gung-ho energy, but maybe in the wrong thing. So you kind of have to balance it out. Um, but just being careful about who you accept business advice from, but also, but then also having a core group of folks you know you can go to for reliable advice. So Mary talks about you know her partner being a great supporter just in helping her make the leap into going and working for herself. For me, it was my dad works for himself. He did it, uh, he went on, on, on his own in 2008 uh, during the financial crisis. Um, and that to me just showed me he was really happy on his own working for himself and showing that like, you can create your own schedule. And I got to kind of witness through him some of those freedoms that I realized when I was in my job, I was like, I think I would like doing what he's doing. So maybe you need you need you already have someone like that in your life if you're thinking about starting a business. And if you don't already do like Mary said and like go back to our networking episode Um, or just don't be afraid to reach out. You can reach out to Mary or I. Um, We're always happy to kind of be a person to either connect you with someone else, but that those like connections are so important. And I, I feel like when I started, everyone made it seem like I had to already have those connections, which I don't agree with really anymore. It's now that like, yes, you have to actively be building connections, but you don't actually have to come into this world already connected to be successful in business. You can make those for yourself. I love that
0: because think of like how many businesses are out in the world. Like think about your city that you live in and how many businesses there are. There are so many. So who says that you can't start one? Now, how many of them last? I think there's like stats out there about new businesses only last so long or whatever, whatever. Um, But who says you can't do it? Like we say that you can't. So yeah, like Logan said, reach out because we love getting emails um, with folks talking
1: to us about their journey. So always, I mean, and to your point, Mary, there's a lot but my also my rationale, if you're someone who's on the fence about should you start your own business or shouldn't you, is I always like to think about like, what could I have learned from this scenario? So if you're working full time and you go out and work for yourself, it's usually that fear of like, what will happen if I fail or if I don't do well, fear of failure, like that's so important. But like, just I think one of the things that also helped me is I always told myself corporate America, corporate world <laughs> would take me back one day. And that if anything, by going out on my own, I would at least learn something. Whether I learned it and loved it and I'm still doing it as I am right now, or I tried it, learned I didn't like X, Y, Z about it. And when I go back to interviews to try to go work for someone else for full time, I'd have those X, Y, Z points top of mind so I could show them, hey, I had the initiative. I had the dream. I had the drive for this. I learned this. And actually now I think I want to go into that, you know, and that I think some people get stuck on the fear that that failure part and not realize that like. Any employer would love to hire somebody who had worked for themselves at some point and learned some valuable lessons that they could apply to your job. You know, it's not, it's not, uh, you're not missing out on anything in my head. So um, that's how I yeah. always think about things. <laughs> I like that a
0: lot. That's a good perspective. And and as you were kind of saying, there's so much out there to set you up for success when you're trying to maybe explore that path. And so there's lots of resources. Um, and we've mentioned some already, but we wanted to kind of give you more resources um, for you listeners wanting to start your own event business where you can start looking at ideas or it can be a help along the way. And so um, I might have mentioned, I think I mentioned the SBA, the Small Business Association. That one's cool. And I haven't fully taken advantage of it, but it's in most cities. And I know one thing that they do is that you can rent their conference rooms for free, which is cool. Mm-hmm. And Fun then time. they also, um, there's like an, usually an accountant or somebody there you can talk to for free, which is also great. They don't think they'll like do your taxes for you, but you can talk to them. Uh, so there's, there's definitely resources out there. That's one that I'll say, Logan, what else, what other resources are there?
1: Yeah, sba.gov is a great resource, as Mary mentioned. They are actually, they're nationwide. So they're everywhere. I don't <laughs> know where they have physical great. offices. But um, they've got templates, webinars, everything from like the nitty gritty checklists of how to actually start your business. Um, And then a branch of them is actually SCORE, S-C-O-R-E. We'll we'll link it in the show notes. Um, They offer free free mentorship, often by retired business owners. And this is everything from lawyers and accountants to just general business managers. Um, And they're across all different industries. These were a great sounding board for me. Um, And one of those trustworthy places I did go for business advice when I first started my company, Um, and as I've now been in a little bit more of a groove of my company, I still actually have a score mentor relationship. I have mentors that I meet with on a monthly basis. So again, it is a free resource and a great way. If you don't have that person in your life already, um, who can just be that third party, you know, source to check in with you about business leads or administrative stuff, or connect you with a good lawyer or connect you with an accountant, uh, score is great and free, um, and then my other one would be going to meetup.com and I joined a couple local like business owner groups. Um, I did it in Shanghai when I lived abroad and I have one in Seattle. We call our, it's a Seattle girl boss group. It was a meetup group. We're currently going to rebrand it to something else. We'll let you know, listeners, what that is. Um, but it was just another like mind circle of um, other women who own their own businesses all across the gamut. It was just very cathartic to hear what they're working on, what their struggles were bounce ideas off each other and just not feel so alone. Cause I think that is something else that as you start your business, it can feel very lonely. Um, but no, there's a ton of people out there doing exactly what you're doing. And we all are finding times when we're, you know, when it's really hard, but then we're also all there to help pick each other up and celebrate when we're doing well. So those are two, just in terms of like mentorship, I would highly recommend Mary, what are your other, like go-to resources for listeners?
0: Yeah. Just want to double down one time more time on SCORE for an example, because I was hiring an intern and I talked to a mentor and they were lawyers. And so they talked to me about the legalities of hiring an intern. So just like it's amazing free advice. So I just <laughs> wanted to plug it one more time. Um, but also um, there's, and I don't know, like look where you are locally, just like start searching and um, like the SBA is a great place to start. They'll send other resources to you. But There's usually um, if uh, you're involved with some of these other um, event associations that we've talked about before, like MPI meeting professionals. International is one of them. There's a lot actually MPI is one that Logan and I are a part of, so we can speak to that a little better. Um, and that's a great way to, we, we actually have a colleague who I'm amazed at how she's been like working MPI and some of these other groups. It's amazing. She's just starting to freelance and she has been um, coming to the socials or the meetings and things like that. The MPI puts on to try to get to know people who can give her work. Like it's a great idea. Like that is your target market. So you should be going there. Like, cause she wants to freelance for events and we're event planners. And so I think that's a great place to start. And they also have a lot of education and things like that, that you can take advantage of.
1: Yep. And women in sports and events wise is another group that I love that I'm a part of, um, as a good resource. Like Mary said, it's a great place to network with potential clients or people that like companies that you could work under subcontracting is a great way to also get started, especially if you're a planner or producer or trying to do anything that's like you're offering a service. So offering yourself up as a contractor, the money and everything can still run through your business. Um, but I still do that to this day. I get hired as Logan by event agencies and I'm branded essentially as their agency, but it's money that comes into my company. that counts as my company revenue. Um, it's just the, you know, verbiage of how you're set up. So that's a great opportunity. Um, and then books and, and podcasts like this are also great ways, um, and resources to learn because a lot of us are learning by doing, you're not the only one figuring it out, um, and I'm going to link to a blog post that I wrote in my first year of business. Um, and Mary, before we wrap up, we can kind of chat a little bit about this because I think my biggest takeaway when I was first starting my business was just how much of a roller coaster being in business could be where I would have one day where I feel on top of the world. I'm the, you know, this was the best idea ever. I can't imagine working for anyone ever again. I'm a rock star to the next day feeling like everyone's laughing at me. You know, I can't do anything right. Why would I ever think this was a great idea? And not on a daily basis, maybe doing that, but um, it, it would it would de- definitely ebb and flow depending on the week you talk to me and just how my business was going and realizing that if I judged my success based on that small snapshot versus the long ride of going up and down and up and down, um, I feel like I wouldn't have stuck it out. Um, but I have enjoyed just embracing that like it is a roller coaster and it's okay as long as those feelings are you know, temporary and I don't stay in that space. And often, like you said, you have to do something to get out of it. Um, but just knowing it is a roller coaster, but it is a worthwhile roller coaster. If you are a roller coaster person, that's a great analogy. If you hate roller coasters, don't listen to anything I just said. <laughs> <laughs> it is a great analogy, and it's super true. And it's
0: yeah, emotions of events are, are crazy because events are they're high stress, they're high pressure, and it's just a lot, a lot of the time. Um, and it can be hard because like as and as a business owner in any industry, I'm sure people feel the pressure and you take more of it on, like when I I know when I was employed, maybe this doesn't say good things about me as an employee, but I um, would try hard. I was like a motivated employee, but there was to a certain point when I'd be like, well, it's kind of up to everybody else at this point. doesn't really matter what I do. (laughs) And that's not how it is anymore. It is you. And so you have to do the things. Um, So there's more pressure. But one thing that I was thinking of is like just as hard as it is, it's just so cool that you can wake up and choose what you're going to do every day. That's what I have to remind myself. And I think of um, if there's any Dear Evan Hansen fans out there, um, there's the phrase um, from the, the show and the song where he um, says, today's going to be a good day and here's why. And I like to do that when I'm like having a bad day. I'm like, nope, it's going to be a good day and here's why. And half the time my answer is because I get to choose what I'm going to do next. And that's really powerful and super cool and so i'd I would leave it on a happy note as hard as it can be. there is so much potential for owning a business,
1: yes, and I think if you're if you're thinking about it, you know writing out kind of a time like mary's saying it's really big parts taking action, so like we said at the top of the show, kind of. Figuring out what kind of business you want to open. My other piece of advice, which was one I got early on, was open a business bank account. Separate your finances as soon as you possibly can because as your business grows and gets more complicated, it can be harder if you're just using your personal bank account for things. And a lot of that stuff, like Mary said, was really low cost. Um, again, you need to have internet access and you know some of those other things, but um, pretty low cost, especially from the event planning or producing side. And I just encourage you listeners, uh, we'll link in the show notes as well, but we have a bunch of past episodes that I feel like also dovetail really nicely with this topic. So if you, again, are an aspiring event business owner, um, or if you're a student listening to this and you're thinking about starting a business sometime in the future, we've got episodes like our episode 10 of what event planner producer even does. That is uh, one of our most popular episodes to this day, which I think is so funny. Uh, Another one about finding new clients, talking about managing your finances, event proposals, scope creep. You name it. If you see something we haven't talked about, feel free to shoot us a message on any of our social media channels or send us an email. Because again, as Mary said, you could probably talk, we could probably record this again in a year and our answers might be slightly different as we grow and evolve as business owners. But that is like the cool part. You get to keep learning and keep growing and keep evolving. Um, and I, I know I've loved it so far. It's the longest job I've ever had working for myself. Same, which is yeah. interesting because I just said I was at two years, but. <laughs> I mean, Woo-woo. pretty darn good. That's what mine was yeah. before I worked for myself. But again, uh, yeah. I, now it's the longest I've been. Um, Mary, is there anything else you want to add to our listeners before we uh, we wrap up today?
0: No, I think we covered it. So just thanks again for listening. But before we go, we have our bonus tip from Logan today.
1: Yeah. So this week's bonus tip is all about that you need to go to an in-person conference as an attendee. We love virtual events. We love hybrid. Um, I often will go to so many more of these virtually or, hi- more, or hybrid than I would in person, but Go to at least one in in person. It's so simple, but really helpful just to take that time to connect with other attendees. It can be about a topic you're interested in. Mary and I have gone to two events that are for event professionals, that has been really helpful just to have FaceTime with people. But it also gives you time, like to take time away from your screens. I'm not going to lie, I've had a lot of great ideas from sitting on these two one day conferences recently, uh, both from what the speakers were saying on stage. But also some of it was just random ideas for our podcast, for my YouTube channel, for my business that like clearly my brain needed to work through without a screen in front of me and going to a conference and sitting there with my notebook out and not my phone or my computer um, just created that space. So you never know where you're going to get some good ideas. So sign up for a conference.
0: I love it. Great bonus tip. Sometimes I gotta force myself to do that, but I'm always happy when I do. So great bonus tip. <laughs> Thank you again, everyone, for listening to another episode of the Better Events Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Better Events Pod. You can also send us an email. Like we said, we love truly to hear from you at bettereventspod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, all the places. Thank you so much again for listening. And we will be back with you again next Wednesday.